and Michelle, and thank you so much for joining us. This is Chariots for Hope Under the Hood, and today we have a very special guest, one of our family members of Chariots for Hope, Miss Holly. So I am excited for you to get to know Holly, her story of just... Incredible restoration, determination, just courageousness, just strength. Um, yeah, she's an extraordinary woman, and God has done mighty things in her life. And I had the honor and privilege to meet her back in 2017. But even since then and before then, Holly has such an incredible story of hope. And that's what we're here for. So, Holly. Welcome to Chariots for Hope Under the Hood. Thank you. Um, would love for you to start. Just tell us how it started. Go ahead. All right. So first, all glory to God mm. for sure. Everything Amen. that goes on today and will be Amen. is all for him. So um, man, I have a I have a long story, but to shorten it up a little <laughs> bit, um, I had a really good childhood, right? Like I had a very good mother. Um, I did come from a fatherless home. I mean, mm -hmm. we didn't, I didn't know my father until I was late into my teens. Okay. So from my third grade year up until I was a teenager, life was pretty normal. I mean, we were getting back on track. It was just me, my mom, and my sister. Normal for me. I didn't sure, realize sure. not having a father in the home would be so detrimental later in life. But growing up, I always knew who God was and, and we did go to church. Uh, my mom would send us on the little Sunday school bus, you know, and we would go and to the little Baptist church and we would, we would um, do Sunday school, Sure, but that's all I knew. I didn't know about relationships. I didn't know really anything else and nobody else in my house really. Um, there's no Bibles, you know, there was no worship, nothing like that. So when I was 14, I, um, learned that, um, I had a, a much larger family. I met my father. Well, um, and it was during a time that wasn't the best of times we went over there to, um, meet up with my, who are now know were my cousins, but, um, <laughs> it was, I didn't know then, you know, and he would let them know that he knew who I was and I was his daughter. And, and I don't know, um, it just seemed like that time of my life really changed things. It, things just changed for me then. Um, up until then I really didn't, um, think about drinking or doing drugs or hanging out, you know, late at night or doing all the things that the you know, kids were doing. Sure. Um, but at that point, I don't know if it, I just, I still can't put my finger on it if that traumatized me or not, but I started doing some things that just weren't very safe. Right. So that's when I, and that's when I tried drugs for the first time. Okay. And that's because you were just triggered by your dad. I don't just, know. You know, I just, I still can't really, or maybe just peer pressure. Sure. I wanted to be accepted, I think mm -hmm. by the people that I was hanging around with. Um, up until that point, I hung around with normal high school kids that were just going to school every day and doing school. And then, um, when I met these guys, they were out running the streets, you know, doing drugs, you know, selling drugs, carrying guns, doing all the things that were kind of, I guess, exciting. I don't know even what, where that came from. Cause my family, we, we didn't live like sure, that. You sure. know? So, um, but that's where it started. Uh, we, I tried drugs when I was 14. I went straight to methamphetamine. Um, I never tried anything. I mean, we, we had some drinks, right? Sure. I mean, we did some drinking, but it wasn't anything heavy. Um, and I was hooked like right from the beginning. So I started a pretty long time of drug addiction um, from 14 to 24. And it was the whole life, right? So it was 
Um, and this is before I had my first my first child. And it was in and out of jail, uh, learning how to sell drugs, running the streets when it wasn't safe. And these are broken relationships with just, men, just yep. finding your worth and your addiction and men and all of it, all yeah. of the above. Yeah. yeah. And um, during that time, my mom stuck by my side. So I always had a place to go. Like I was never homeless. Sure. And so it was just enabled and enabled and enabled mm. until I was 24 years old. I found out I was pregnant with my first set of kids. And I say sex, I have twins. So I have, I was pregnant with the twins. Um, the the father of those children were getting federally indicted. Um, we didn't know it at the time. So it was just a really scary time in my life. Um, I quit doing drugs. I tried to use all of the methods that you would as a worldly person, AANA treatment, you know, all the things that one would do to quit doing drugs. Sure. And it did work. It worked for a while. I mm -hmm. mean, it worked for a long time, um, but I was miserable. So I was isolated. I had these two babies and then I had come a few years later, I had another baby, you know? And so it was like, I don't know. And I, I went to college and I did all the things that you're supposed to do as an adult, but I was miserable. I mean, literally just dying inside. I was mm -hmm. always, and then that's when I started drinking again. You know, I started drinking with my friends and again, broken relationship, different men you know <laughs> just all of the things seeking all the wrong seeking, things I mean just seeking I quit going to any kind of like recovery group or any kind of thing like that still didn't have God in my life mm. didn't even talk about him I mean he was just way in the back of my I didn't I knew he existed but it didn't didn't really didn't affect me at all sure um until one time I one night I did find myself back uh, where I knew I could find drugs and I had a really terrible relapse and it was it was bad so I um, lost my house. My mom took my kids. I mean, it was just to the fullest. I was just, you know, I thought I could go home to my mom's with my kids, um, until she locked me out. So, um, that was probably the worst time of my life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So, and I hate to even say it like this, but I just chose to be homeless, right? So if I would have just quit doing drugs, I could have went home with my kids. <laughs> but, um, but I chose drugs over them. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to say that out loud. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. <laughs> I'm, I sit here because I know you today yeah. and I'm just like, oh God, it's just so good. And how he never leaves our side, even the yuck. Yeah. And I don't know, just, I cannot wait for the, <laughs> for you all to hear the end because we're just beginning. Yeah. Um, that's really hard to say. And I just commend yeah. your authenticity and your vulnerability, Holly, because that just allows other people to see how crisis work through you. Um, I'm thank you for going to that space because it's, it's real, it's raw and it's a part of your story, Yeah, but it's a part of your story <clears throat> that took you to another place, to another place. It's just a stepping stone, but boy, at yeah. that time, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. And for you to say those words, right. um, just thank you for, Thank Again, you. for your honesty and your vulnerability. 
Yeah. And so we, it was, those are tough. It's tough to say those things out loud sometimes, but it is real. That's what really happened. It wasn't a bad thing that happened to me. It was a bad thing I did to somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it affected my children and my mom, you know, my family, your mom, my poor mom, just, I couldn't even imagine what it took to shut the door and lock it when I walked out. I don't even, I couldn't do that to my, your mom's a powerhouse. She's, she's been there for you through everything, everything. And so, I mean, she's like, <laughs> I think about, cause I, cause you know, just a little bit, but I work with women every day and I see what happens when they don't have support. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see what happens to their children. And I think about my mom all the time and how she kept my family together and she did it when she didn't have to, She did, you know, and, and you, I'll talk more about Caleb, but my family is not easy to take care of. You know, we have disabled children, we have ADHD. I mean, there's all these things going on with my kids and she just chose to Man. step up and take over, you yeah. know, but, um, so I, I was, I went, I was locked out. I was homeless for two years. I was on the streets for two years and again, met another guy, right? And it was now good for me. <laughs> Take note. Um, it's always the guy, the right? guy. Yeah. So it was no good for me. Claimed he loved me. So I stuck night to his side. You know, I was right by him the whole time. And thank you, Jesus, one day we got busted. And mm. it was a small, very small bust. I went to jail. He went to jail. And um, it's what was needed, right? And so that's when I found out I was pregnant with Caleb, um, who is just a huge part of my story, right? I mean, huge he's just part of your story. <laughs> he's a huge part of everybody's yeah. story. So I, so I was arrested. I was um, taken directly to treatment because I was pregnant and I was um you know, on meth. And so Heartland Family Services accepted me right away. However, one weekend I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And I walked out of there because of course I was, you know, I'm used to being on the streets, right? So being in this enclosed environment, my anxiety level was so high and I just left, you know, I left all my stuff and I just walked out. I walked all the way. It was in the one in Iowa. I walked all the way to my mom's house in Bellevue. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like 90 degrees and I just walked, right? Oh my so word. I remember, and I remember walking down like Fort Crook, <laughs> trying to get to my mom's. Wow. <laughs> Pregnant and just, you know, so, but that was the time for a while that it clicked, right? And I went home and I stayed sober and I had Caleb. Um, and once, when I delivered Caleb, we knew right away that something was very wrong, um, only because he would never stop crying and he wouldn't move right and his arms were tucked in and just it just sure. didn't look right, you know. I have four other children, and so I was like, this baby, there's something. And the the birth was terrible, and it was just the whole thing. And so, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, you know, we found out he has cerebral palsy. So um, I stayed sober for a long time after having Caleb, and this is my, and my very last relapse was coming up. Um, I was working at Salvation Army, which was a treatment center. Sure. Met the wrong people and Mm -hmm. ended up relapsing again. Um, I don't know. There was no reason besides just being tired, you know, and not having any relationship with Jesus, just everything, trying to do it all myself, no foundation. Um, and I had this disabled child. And so I just, I was just tired and I just wanted to disappear, I guess, you know, I don't know why it happened, but um, it happened very quickly. Um, I relapsed in September of 2016 uh, 
and I was indicted by the federal government on April of 2017. So it happened very quick this time. Very quick. Yes. And again, because of a guy. <laughs> wow. Got we wrapped have, up with a we guy. Have a th- we have a theme here, a thread. <laughs> Hello, people. Yeah. But, but, but I ended up getting indicted. And while I was in county, I met up with a friend who told me about the Lydia House. And I said, what's this Lydia House about, right? Because I never knew what it was. And being homeless for two years, I never knew about Lydia House or Open Door Mission or sure. any of those places. And she told me that it was a gospel mission and it was a rehab center, but they focus on your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm good. I'll just go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> well, then they told, well, then they told me that, well, if you go there, it's like a six month to nine month program and it will keep me out of prison for that much longer. Yes. That was kind of the, you know, that was like, that was go. the carrot. That was it. I was like, woo, you know, so yeah. I was sick, you know, but, um, while I was there, I also met um, some ladies who would come in every week and they would present the gospel and they would do church and all this stuff. And um, they were from Good News Jail Ministry mm. and um, they taught me about God. Right. Yes. And they taught me about Jesus. And um, I didn't really know how to study God or Jesus. Like, I didn't know what that meant. But she was pretty persistent and she would come all the time and she would pull me out of the cell. And I liked that. <laughs> I didn't want to be in my cell all the time. So, I'll, come, I'll come here about this yeah, Jesus. So, um, yeah. Um, we did private Bible studies and that's when I started to get interested in to learn like what, who this guy was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and why he was so important. Everybody was talking about him. <laughs> you know, like, why is this guy so important? And, um, so the night that I was saved, I actually was acting up again. I was in jail and I'd gotten into a fight. Um, someone had said something I didn't really care for. And um, I Jeez, got... Jeez, Holly. <laughs> I don't know this Holly. Know. I'm, all I know is I'm glad I'm friends with her. Because <laughs> I know you got my back, girl. Yeah, I was pretty angry back then. <laughs> now she's probably like, I can't help you, girl. I'm like, we better <laughs> But, uh... So I did, and I, I got put in lockdown, and I was super, super stressed out about it, right? And I, I was in this lockdown cell, and I'd never been nowhere like that before. It was also Jeez. the psych ward of the jail, so people were kicking the walls and screaming, and, and it was just a really uncomfortable situation where I felt scared. I don't know if that's the right word, lonely. Yeah. Um, just super, super just like at my bottom kind of thing, yeah. you know? When I think about when people say you got to hit your bottom, I feel like that really was one of them. I just felt like totally helpless. You know, like I, you can't do nothing. You're locked in this place and I could hear these girls screaming and it was just really a scary situation for sure. me. And, um, I remember just praying, um, that he would come and he would help me and that I didn't want to be there no more. I just wanted to go home. And he, um, that was probably one of the one of the time in my life that I felt him with me. And I do believe that was the day I was saved. So good. I didn't hear anything audible or nothing no. like that, but I felt it in my heart. You know, and I felt him there. Um I mean people say that and it's almost yeah. like this ridiculous peace that overcomes <sighs> you and it's overcome yeah. of just unconditional love and like yep. he's wrapping his arms around you yeah. and like I have you Holly I love you Holly I see you Holly I've been pursuing you Holly yeah there's really no other way to describe it besides the fact that I was like a baby 
and I was like crying, you know what I mean? To my, to my dad, you know, cause I was scared. <laughs> and it hit me that day that that's the day they were going to indict me and I was going to go to prison for what I did, you know? So, um, but after that, um, the next day they let me out of lockdown. <laughs> I was like, well, this is cool. You know? Something about the, the camera didn't catch what happened and they couldn't wow. prove it. So they had to let me out. And like, so I went back to my mod and everything just went back to, you know, so, and I did. So they released the charges on me and I got federally indicted and that's what, you know, and that started a real big, um, scary moment in my life, yeah. you know, and yeah. when you see it, the federal, you know, the United States of America versus Holly Hannon, that's really scary. And that's a reality of just what's going on in your yeah, life. It definitely you know? was. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but they did release me. I was able to go to the Lydia house and have some pre-trial, you know, release time, which was God's present to me because my kids were not happy with me. I mean, they were like, two of my sons wouldn't talk to me. Um, one of them I couldn't find cause his dad had come and taken him. Um, you know, Caleb and Addie were too little. They didn't understand. Sure. So, yeah. so we needed some time, you know? And so I went to Lydia house and that's where I met you <laughs> and learned all about chariots and, and more. I learned more about how to, my worth as a woman. Right. Mm. And that's what I learned from this, from this class that you had, yeah. right. Is, is that I don't have to rely on the love of, of just random guys to, to be worthy. Right. Yeah. And so, and how to just, you know, try to lock everything down and just be <laughs> a good woman, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> They also taught me how to do Bible studies and how yes. to, how to pursue the Lord through, through scripture. Yes. Um, how to memorize verses and just how to, how to build a foundation that was, um, of God and not of people. Right. So, cause mm. people will always fail you a thousand percent always. And so I got this foundation and, and I was blessed with it, you know, and I was blessed with being there the whole nine months so that I could really learn how to dig into scripture. And then not only that, but then how to help other women do the same thing, you know? So that was pretty amazing, you know? And because I graduated that class, I was referred to chariots <laughs> for a car. <laughs> so, and so that was my next step was, was joining another family, yes. you know, and, and building more community and, and learning, you know, that, um, that I was forgiven because some of the things I did were pretty terrible, you know, and, and it wasn't just terrible to strangers, but to my family who loved me, yeah. you know, my children who just wanted me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all they wanted. And, and that God did forgive me for that and that Jesus loves me and he died for me and not just anybody, but me. Right. And so I just, um, pre-trial was a very wonderful time in my life, but it was also very surreal because I knew what was happening. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, it kept getting pushed off, but it did come one day it and did. I, I had to face it. Right. It, so, yes. Um, I was on pretrial for almost two years, yeah. um, which I, a lot of good work was done. I mean, I do looking back today, I believe that God gave me that time really to learn how, how to, how to be a mom and yes. how to, how to go into prison and be, um, still okay and not fall into the culture, Correct. you know, of, of what was going on there. So, um, I look back though at some of my posts from Facebook about the days that were coming and 
I was so strong, right? And I, oh. I, I, I look back at some of my, I'm like, I wrote that, you know? <laughs> okay. And it was God. You I just know? want y'all to know, I was there that day in court with her, and I am a wreck. And this chick was like, superwoman. Just, I mean, it, you spoke to me that day. Like, I just have never, you stood there with confidence, yeah. and you knew that this was two years ago and you had the price to pay for what you had done and it's the law. Yep. And, um, she was up for 10 years. Yeah. I was struggling. <laughs> I, I've never seen that before. I've never been in a courtroom. I've never been in that situation oh. to witness that. And I, I'm like, for sure. They're not going to like, she's been so good. She's done two <laughs> years. There's no way they're going to slap the 10 on her. And I'm like, she's got this. And, and no, she, they gave it to her. They, and man, Holly, you took it like, like superwoman. I, I'm, I was falling apart and I just remember staring at you and there was such a peace over you of, nope, this is what I have. Yeah. This is my dues. I have to do it. Yeah. And I love this part of the story because <laughs> God's like, oh yeah, watch me move. Yeah. Watch this. So, <laughs> so go ahead and tell them what the sentence or what so, it was. So I got my sentence. Um, they sent me to Brian, which is a two day drive. <laughs> so visitation was a Neil, right? I didn't, uh, there was, I just, and I knew that when I was going to go there, I was like, this isn't going to be a visitation type, you know, right. situation. But, um, they gave me two months to get my affairs in order, which would have sent me through Christmas and into the new year so that I could spend that time with my children. And um, I think the next bottom that I hit in a, in my next phase of life was the day I had to walk out of my house and leave my children. Um, I had to have a friend take me out, you know, because you can't just walk away. It's too hard. <laughs> it's like... Once you've gotten that love back and you're with your babies yeah. and this is what you want to do and then you have to say, okay, but I'll be back in 10 years, you know, and that's like the hardest, hardest thing ever, you know, and to watch them just stare at you as you drive away. Um, that was probably one of my rock bottoms as well. When I look at doing anything that's like even remotely, I'm just like, no, I, I remember that day like it's like, like it was yesterday, yeah. you know, and, uh, and they all knew there was no um, hiding what happened. I told them what was going to happen. And so they knew, you know, where I was going. And so, but I got there and I did very well for a while. And the time went very fast. You know, the yard was open and it was, it was just a normal, you know, get into a routine. Sure. Um, I had struggled a little bit because I told them, I was telling my, my friends that I was emailing that I felt like I was in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> like I really did. Like I just, it was, it was really hectic and it was like just a big change for me because I had been surrounded by my sure. my spiritual family right and all my yeah. friends and so um but then COVID hit and so <laughs> oh COVID <laughs> and 2020 like, this is like what is going on you know? <laughs> and so I'm sleeping in my bunk one day and I get this lady comes in full gown full oh guard we have gosh. no idea slaps a piece of paper on our desk and walks out right and they pff, shut the door I'm like what is going on and it says you are not to leave your cell at all. Like you were in lockdown, you were going to be in lockdown until we tell you otherwise. Right. And they go to these two and three, they're, they're called two and tens where you get a, uh, every two days, you get a 10 minute shower. Like it's just all of this stuff, right. Is another change. And so for after that, a year and a half, we were in lockdown <laughs> and it was so terrible. I was like, but let me tell you, Michelle, like that year and a half, I think I got closer to God mm. than I ever. And I, 
and I thank him for it all the time because now that I'm in the out here and it's busy and I have my kids and, and life, life, right. I don't have the time to spend with him. Like I, I did in there, mm. you know? And so, yeah, that's good. You look back and you're like, well, I was special enough for him to set aside. Right. So that I could have that time with him, even though it was terrible and I was away from my family, it brought me back the best I could be, you know, yes. it brought me back to be the best mom. Now the best wife, now, the, you know, the, best whatever I could be girl whatever you did in that year and a half she's out here now <laughs> so she was facing 10 years yeah. everybody yeah. and so share with them what God did so COVID hit and you know the law was we were too crowded right so we were too crowded they didn't want us to be on top of each other so anybody who was like a low a low violence criminal for you know um first offenses, you know, all these, all these rules and regulations put you on a point system. And if you were on the certain point system and you had half your time done and all these things, they let you go home on a home confinement. Well, I missed the mark the first time. I didn't have half of my time done because they count your good time too. And, but when it came around the second time, they surprised me and they said, well, it's time for you to, time for you to do travel plans. Right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, cause I wasn't supposed to be out till 2024 or something like that. So it was like, it was like, um, it was amazing, you know, and so God opened that door and mm -hmm. there was a, there was a series of events that happened that, you know, I believe God put certain people in my life during the time to, to make, to do certain things. Right. And, and to get the door open. Sure, right? sure. And so, um, I did come home. I came home very early, but I was on house arrest. So <laughs> <laughs> she had a very fashionable bracelet. I did for a very long time. So <laughs> you rocked that very well, Holly. <laughs> yeah. A very long time. So. Um, you'll take that any day, any day, any if they day. offer it, give it, yeah, take it, take it. Because, <laughs> but, um, but I was able to stay with my family. I didn't have to go to a halfway house. Nope. I lived in my house. No, uh, I was able to reconnect with all of my friends, so you know, because thank you, Jesus. I made this huge friend group before I left that were all about his business. Right. So like <laughs> I was able to come home to that, you know? And, um, I will say, um, my mom was right there with all my children. Man. She was still rocking it, still getting it. <laughs> my kids were not easy to take care of. Caleb was now moving. Um, he needs a walker. You know, he needs that. He wears a diaper still. He doesn't talk. You know, so there's all these things. That aren't, even though he's the biggest blessing, I mean, the kid just shines, right? He does. But he doesn't. He takes a lot of care. You yeah. have constant care for him. And then... You know, my daughter has really bad ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, she takes medication. My boys were, <laughs> Tristan did the whole first year with me on an ankle monitor because he was out doing crazy stuff. So, you know, it wasn't like they gave her just the easiest job, right? <laughs> and she just took it with great. You know, she just did it, you know, wow. and continues to do it Yeah, because she loves them and yeah. she loves me and she loves her family. So Holly, um, we, um, so she took a little pause. We didn't see her for a while, yeah. but boy, she popped back up and I would say, was it 2022, 2023? Um, I think, well, I got out in 2021 and so it was 2022. 2022. Yeah. Okay. Cause I had to be at home. I couldn't yeah. go anywhere. She needed another car. <laughs> I did. Imagine that. So she came back and she came through our vehicle buying program. Yeah. She reconnected with chariots. And she just dove in head first. She was following all the guidelines that you yeah. had to for government, yep. right? Because yep. the ankle bracelet and all that. But lo and behold, in that time, Chariots is growing, right? Yes. So Chariots for Hope. We're out here rolling and doing <laughs> and growing. And 
And in that time, uh, there was a gentleman that came rolling through our program uh, that actually worked for us. And he's just a stellar man, young man. And um, so at our chariots events and our beyond the car events and things like that, and I think they might have met somewhere before that as well, obviously. But um, there was a little connection there. There was. And so tell us about, tell us about your husband. Let me tell you. And, And so... You know, I had I had um, made an made a point uh, before I went to prison um, that I didn't want to pursue God and then also continue the way I was as far as men go. Right. Um, I obviously have some issues when it comes to setting boundaries with men and um I always think I'm in love with somebody, right? Like it was like I was always in love with somebody. like, oh, I love him, I love him. <laughs> oh yes, I love him. No, he loves me. Oh, I love him. No, but so <clears throat> so I could take in a little break. I did, um, you know, I had one person I talked to, but I I told I told my mentor that I just want somebody who is chasing after Jesus yes. as hard as I am, and I don't even want to realize he's there until he's right in front of my face because God put him there. And I truly believe that's what happened with Andrew. I do. And I, I we have some issues. We had some some issues when we first started because, of course, we both coming out of a broken, broken yes. time in our life. Yes. And so we needed to process that mm-hmm. and, and get that going first. Um, but I could truly say he loves God more than he loves me. And I mm. think that's and that's where it works. Right. Yes. Because I love God way more than I love anything else. And it, it just he brings us together. We've had moments in our relationship where we fell short, you know, and we had to pick up the pieces there and get godly counsel and just and really get back on track. Um, but then there were other times where we we prayed about and spoke about how to do things right in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened. And God blessed that relationship. And, you know, I think that if we would have done things our way, it wouldn't be like it is today. No, it at wouldn't, all. Holly. And I think that since we waited and let God do his business and just really try to live in God's will, um, we're truly blessed together today. Yeah, I think it's just solid yeah. for both of you, for both of them walking out yeah. of similar stories yep. um, that God brought those two together. Um, having that Christ-centered home yeah. changes everything. Everything. Just the, the, the testimonies that they are within their own home with their children. But even how God is using both Holly and Drew in the community is just fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we are grateful to have Holly and Drew and their children part of Chariots for Hope family. I mean, that's what we say when it's way beyond the car. These are the stories that we get to see um, pretty regularly. So I just appreciate you opening up that hood Oof. and sharing um, just your heart Thank and just you. how God has restored you, just how Jesus pursued you, how the Holy Spirit just overflows through you. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could have just pushed that all away and gone with your own will. Yeah. And we know where that is. It's really? disastrous. It's like a dumpster fire. It is. I've done it over and over <laughs> and over again. I mean, I've had these, it's just, it's like this cycle, right? It yeah. just goes over and over. Um, but now I've, now it's different. Yeah. You know, everything was different after that day in that jail cell. And I know people say that, you know, I found Jesus in jail, but no, it was different after that day. Mm -hmm. And I've had lots of times where I fell short or done things that I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that, but nothing like before, you know, nothing like there's always this tug back to, 
um, I can tell he lives inside of me mm-hmm. because there's always a um, coming, you know, bringing myself back to what I think the Lord would want out of my life. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, we greatly appreciate you, you joining us and hearing Holly's heart as we got under the hood. And we're just so blessed to have Holly, her family, Drew, uh, part of the Chariots for Hope family. So thank you again for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the Chariots for Hope Under the Hood podcast. If you are inspired by this story and would like to know ways that you can make an impact in the lives of those trying to overcome transportation barriers, we can't encourage you enough to check out our website at chariotsforhope.org or follow us on social media for daily updates. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.